The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crypto Authority Podcast. And the episode that we're bringing you today is the economics of Litecoin. And today I have Andrew with me. So Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, I look forward to you teaching me some, some stuff about Litecoin because I've been in crypto for quite a while now, but I have to, um, I have to confess that my knowledge on, Lite, on Litecoin is still quite nascent. So I'm looking forward to this. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on your show. No, don't, don't thank us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. So I think, that, I think that the most logical place to start is to give a quick background on Litecoin. How did Charlie Lee invent it and uh, what was the vision behind it? Yeah, so Litecoin, I guess, started in October. Uh, he launched it like October 9th and um, on the Bitcoin Talk forum. And what I think the original goal, oh, uh, 2011. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think his just original uh, version or goal was to just make a, a cheaper and faster Bitcoin. Around that time, there were actually a lot of other uh, uh, coins that were being created and forked off of Bitcoin. Um, and they, they were kind of scammy. Like they had a lot of uh, pre-mined coins um, and maybe like founder rewards and things like that. And so I think Charlie was just trying to provide an alternative to Bitcoin that would be kind of uh, fair in its distribution and you know something that would be designed to be a little bit uh, cheaper and faster than bitcoin yeah and it's you you make a valid point when you say that there were quite a few other cryptocurrencies or i see i don't like to give them the name cryptocurrencies because what is what is a cryptocurrency but let, for the sake of simplicity let's call them all cryptocurrencies so yeah, like you said, that Litecoin wasn't the only one, yet here it is in 2019, still one of the most popular ones. So what I want to know is, you just mentioned that, that how is Litecoin a faster and a cheaper version of Bitcoin? Yeah, uh, block times are four times as fast. So uh, Bitcoin has one uh, confirmation for every 10 minutes, or, and then for Litecoin, it's every 2.5 minutes. And then so you just get a confirmation uh, four times as fast as Bitcoin. Okay. And also there's like, there's also a four times the supply. So Bitcoin has 21 million and Litecoin has 84 million. Okay. So see, that's interesting. If it has 84 million, how does the inflation work with it? And how is, how is supply released into the market of Litecoin? Was there anything pre-mined or how does the distribution of it function? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, it was like fairly distributed. So what that means is once it, would, it was launched, uh, everybody who had access to the code would start compete, com uh, mining competitively for it, right? And, and there was nothing in the code that reserved, you know, um, 7 million coins for Charlie or 7 million coins for the Litecoin Foundation. Uh, everything was like fairly mined. And okay. how, what that means, yeah. And so what that means is every block um, at the beginning is started off with um, 50 Litecoins per block reward. And so every time a miner successfully submits a block, and it gets recorded onto the blockchain, they get distributed 50 Litecoins uh, uh, in reward for the work. And then after X amount of time, um, approximately four years, the block rewards get cut in half. 
And so right now, block rewards are at 25 Litecoin. And I think in August, it's actually, actually going to go down to 12.5. Interesting. So just to confirm to all our viewers out there, Litecoin or the consensus algorithm for Litecoin is also proof of work, no? Yes, it is proof of work, but we have a different mining algorithm than Bitcoin. So Bitcoin has SHA-256, Litecoin has script. And so um, that's, that was actually like really important when Charlie launched it because it would have been possible for Bitcoin miners at that time to just, you know, temporarily come off the Bitcoin uh, network and just dominate Litecoin's network and just like ruin it um, if Litecoin was SHA-256 like the other four coins were. But um, because it was script, uh, it allowed people to just, um, you know, for the, for the network security hash rate to grow uh, fairly and just um, evenly, I guess. Okay, so I'm not sure if you're a very technical person, Andrew, so I'm sorry if I'm asking the wrong person uh, this question, but what is the difference between the different mining algorithms? Like you just said there, SHA-256, and then I forgot the one that you said that Litecoin runs on. So what's, what's the difference? Yeah, uh, they kind of are like the same. It's just that script requires a little bit more RAM memory. And so um, like Bitcoin miners can't mine it because uh, a lot of ASICs or Bitcoin ASICs only ha uh, factor in like the SHA-256 element. But um, Litecoin miners, it requires you to have um, extra memory on the side that it utilizes to mine. And so that's how it kind of distinguishes itself. You mentioned already that Litecoin is a cheaper version of Bitcoin or it's less cost intensive. Why is that the case? Yeah, so it's, it, it might, like it's designed to have cheaper fees than Bitcoin. And the reason is because um, it blocks four times as fast. And so that means uh, the fee market for Litecoin will be four times less than that of Bitcoin. Like the clearest way to kind of explain this, I think is uh, for Bitcoin, there's a 10 minute block time and there's a fee market, right? And so people who make a transaction, the higher the fee, the more likely it's gonna get included into the block. Now, right now, because there's not a ton of um, transactions on Bitcoin or Litecoin's network, it's, uh, it's not that big of a deal. But back in like 2017, when the, the network, the Bitcoin's network was flooded, um, there was a very competitive fee market going on right now. Like people were paying up to like $20 per fee to get the transactions into a block, right? Now, the problem is that if you put in a low transaction fee during that time, um, like it could just be pending forever because miners aren't going to include it because other people who, who offer higher transaction fees to get their transactions in, like they're going to be given preferential treatment by miners, right? And so, so all of this uh, kind of creates like a fee market. Now, the reason why Litecoin is designed to be less expensive than Bitcoin is because the memory pool, that's where all the transactions kind of exist. Um, that's where all the, the miners like pick up um, Litecoin or Bitcoin transactions and include it into the block. That memory pool will be cleared four times as fast as Bitcoins uh, within the same amount of time. Ah, see, that's interesting. And whilst we're on the topic of uh, fees and you mentioned how the blocks are mined four times as quick as Bitcoins. I'm right in saying four, no? Yes. Does that mean that the Litecoin community is trying to push for a more means of payment currency, maybe like Bitcoin Cash, whereas as we know with Bitcoin, they've opted, or in recent years, it's kind of followed the more store of value pathway where it's more catered for large quantity transactions and therefore 
the, I don't know, the 20 cent fees are justifiable. Whereas with unknown micropayments or buying coffee or the, the typical crypto analogy is buying coffee in Palo Alto and how Bitcoin isn't the best suited for that. So am I right in saying that Litecoin is better suited as a means of an exchange? Yeah, I think it's, it's better suited as a means of an exchange than Bitcoin. I, I, I think like this is, how, this is how I think about Bitcoin and Litecoin. Uh, I, I own both, like there's my disclosure. <laughs> but Bitcoin to me is like my retirement fund, right? Like I'm trying to stack Bitcoin, I hold Bitcoin, and I don't ever plan on really using it. Because to me, it, like the opportunity cost is really high. Like if I sell, sell it or if I use it now to spend, then you know, the opportunity cost moving forward sometime in the future might be, might be a lot, right? Because you know, Bitcoin might like, pump like crazy. Litecoin for me, you know, because it's designed to be a little bit um, faster and cheaper, you know, I'm, I'm more willing to use it as to pay for stuff. Right. So I bought a VPN with Litecoin. I bought like a Litecoin shirt from the foundation with Litecoin. And so like to me, it's a little bit easier and reason more reasonable for me to use Litecoin as payment uh, because the opportunity cost isn't as high. So, yeah, that's just kind of how I view it. Okay, so let's say that Litecoin or like you just said there, it it's probably or it is a better means of um, of exchange than Bitcoin. And I've also read that, like, obviously, in the Bitcoin network, we um, we had the introduction of Lightning, the Lightning Networker, the second layer solution, just about a year ago. I remember it turned 365 days old just uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about Lightning on Litecoin. How has it succeeded? Because or has it grown? Obviously, it can't have succeeded yet because it's still fairly new. But what are your thoughts around the Lightning Network on um, on Litecoin? Yeah. I'm going to pull up some stats real quick. Yeah, sure thing. Take your time. Stats are always brilliant. Yeah. So um, the Lightning Network on Litecoin is alive right now, just as it is for Bitcoin. Um, the the growth isn't as as big as Bitcoin. Right now, we have about 175 public nodes that we can see, and um, an estimated like network capacity of like eleven thousand, eleven point five thousand dollars. For some comparison, for Bitcoin, it's around 7,000 nodes, and uh, the network capacity is, for whatever reason, it's four freaking million dollars <laughs> on the Lightning Network. The, the Lightning Network is live. Um, you know, it could definitely use some TLC to keep growing, uh, but we do see there was a recent uptick um, in, in the past year uh, with more nodes coming online, um, and so that's been a sign of encouragement. Okay, so what's the average fee for a Litecoin transaction at the minute? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Right now, I'm also have, going to have to look at this. Okay. Well, look it up. But in the meantime, I think we can agree that it will be cheaper than the Bitcoin um, average fee. And I guess if that's the case, then the need for Litecoin, oh, the, sorry, the need for the Lightning Network on the Litecoin blockchain isn't as desired as it is on Bitcoin because obviously we have the 10 minute block wait and then, um, and then the higher fees, like we saw in December of 2017, fees soared to a disgusting like $40 per transaction. So um, if, if Litecoin is able to scale or at current, if it's able to boast cheaper fees, the, the need for Lightning isn't as, um, isn't as important, I guess. 
Yeah, well, um, I still think the Lightning Network is a great scaling solution and that it will be necessarily necessary going into the future because Litecoin faces the same bottlenecks uh, that Bitcoin does. It's just, um, it'll reach that point maybe four times uh, later in, in the future. Um, like, okay, so the average transaction fee for Litecoin is about four cents. For Bitcoin right now, it's about uh, 36 cents. And so that's some perspective. But yeah, I, I still think that the Lightning Network will be crucial uh, for going, moving into the future. Because if you want to look at um, trying to process transactions through like visa uh, level capacity, um, there, there's just like, it's really difficult to do it on chain, right? And, and that's one of the, the scaling solutions for BCH, right? Just bigger blocks, but that comes at a cost. And, and the cost is a blockchain bloat. Uh, the cost is, you know, it gets more expensive to run a full node as, as a sovereign individual, as like a, as, a, as a person. And so, yeah, and we don't want that same struggle for, for Litecoin. And so I, I still do think that the Lightning Network is an important aspect to its future. Okay, so in the lightning, oh, in the lightning, sorry, I'm getting all my words mixed up. In the lightning, <laughs> did you have the dispute or the conflict of whether you should increase the block size, just like we experienced with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin in the Bitcoin community? Not really. I, I think uh, one of the reasons is because, you know, the Litecoin community isn't as big as Bitcoin's community. Um, but also, we, we have, we've never really struggled with, like, crazy high fees yet, right? Like, none, none of our... Transaction fees has have ever topped like one dollar, two dollars, or something like that, right? It's never been twenty dollars ever, and so um, there's never been a need for us to really increase the block size. Has there ever been a fork of Litecoin uh, or a hard fork of Litecoin? There has never been a hard fork of Litecoin in the sense that, like, as far as I know, like as an upgrade, there have been forks like uh, of, of Litecoin um, that have resulted in altcoins. Okay, so do you know any of the names of them? Because I don't think I've come across them. One of them is like a Litecoin Cash. Litecoin, yeah, Litecoin Cash. Um, oh God, that sounds so wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, that just makes me laugh. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> there was another fork, I don't know, uh, maybe earlier in the year, um, one of the like windows told me about it, but I, I didn't really take uh, a quick, good look at it. Okay, so Andrew, if you're a believer in both Bitcoin and Litecoin, and you view Bitcoin as kind of, like you said, a retirement fund, a store of value, which you don't intend to sell in the future, in a utopian society, where do you view Litecoin in the next 15 to 20 years? What do you... Yeah. What role do you see it playing in your life as a, as a currency? Yeah, I just think it's just, a, it, it all goes back to just being a cheaper option to, to Bitcoin. Um, and this is actually something we've seen companies, you know, they've, they've taken a look at Litecoin as a cheaper alternative. Um, an example of this is Abra, Abra Global. Um, they were looking to um, port onto the Litecoin network for their backend infrastructure just because like fees because of abra's model it's a multi-sig and so transaction sizes are a bit bigger they're going up to like 15 50 dollars in transaction fees it was insane um during the 2017 pump right and so they they were like we need to look at a, a cheaper alternative and so they looked at litecoin um, because the code base is so similar and um it is designed to be cheaper and so um 
you know, in the future, when, when I, I think a lot of the cryptocurrency transactions are going to be abstracted where, where you don't necessarily see it, um, it, it would be possible that you don't even, you don't even know what asset you're using to, to, uh, to make your payment and for your payment to be, um, finalized. Um, and so it's possible that, you know, you as a consumer use Litecoin for your transactions and, and, and businesses, they just choose to swap it and, and settle it into Bitcoin. And so, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I see it could potentially develop in the future. Are there any plans to implement more privacy features to Litecoin in the future? Because obviously there are, there are lots of, I, I don't want to use the word wannabes, but I think I'm going to like wannabes of Bitcoin. So we have Bitcoin Cash, we have Monero, we have um, Litecoin. And as like, there have been quite a few, or there have been a, there's been an increase in the amount of privacy coins in the last few years. So I was wondering, are there any plans for Litecoin to introduce privacy features? Yeah, one of the things we're actually looking into, uh, it's not finalized or anything, but is adding Mimblewimble actually onto Litecoin. Are you familiar with Mimblewimble? I am familiar with Mimblewimble, the, the infamous name of the, um, of the protocol. But yeah, for our, for our listeners out there, why don't you uh, briefly explain what Mimblewimble is and how it can be implemented to Litecoin and uh, improve the network? Yeah, uh, Mimblewimble is just, it's, it's similar to confidential transactions. It uses a Peterson commitments um, to obfuscate amounts, but the beautiful thing is that it's super scalable. Um, and the reason it's scalable is because it uses something called, called cut through. So instead of keeping a transaction of every single transaction that's ever happened on the network, what it does is it um, it only goes from, okay, let's say uh, um, there's person A, B, and C. So person A goes makes a transaction to B and B to C. Well, with cut through, they cut out the transaction from A to B and B to C, and all that's recorded on the network is A to C, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't care about that transactional history. It just cares about, you know, um, does everything add up? And so in that way, it's, it's pretty scalable. And so that's why Mimblewimble is pretty attractive to us in regards to implementing it as a privacy uh, technique. And, and for us, like privacy is really important because it's one of the last thing, things that gives us fungibility. Um, you know, it gives you plausible deniability. I think right now with blockchain analysis and how, and people waking up to the idea that, you, you know, you're, your accounts can be traced, uh, your transactions can be traced, it could be tied to your um, identity if you post it online and things like that. Um, you know, it, it is a cause for concern because, uh, you know, exchanges can shut your account down if, if they see that, you know, it comes from a dark market web, maybe like six or seven transactions out or something like that. And so private transactions will, will help increase Litecoin's fungibility because it gives you um, basically like, uh, yeah, plausible deniability when it comes to to uh, transactional history and stuff. And the the way that we plan on doing it is through something called extension blocks. And so um, it's. I have like no. A, sorry to interrupt you there, Andrew. I have no idea what extension blocks are. So could you just uh, could you briefly run over that? Oh yeah, um, extension blocks is similar to soft forks. Basically. All the transactions that will get into get converted into Mimblewimble 
will be sent to a specific, um, anyone can spend address. And, um, and then there will be a separate, there will be nodes that will be configured to keep track and keep account of all the Litecoins that uh, are sent into this anyone can spend address. And then um, this is cool because it enables you to implement other transaction schemes that would be impossible to do it through a traditional soft fork. And so that's kind of like what an extension block is. It's, it's sort of like a side chain, um, but it exists within um, the, the, the main block of, of Litecoin. Um, I'm not sure if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it did make sense. So just to, just to confirm that it made sense, what you're saying is that it's, it's a first layer solution. It's on the main chain. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Andrew, are you good to finish off with a quick fire Q&A? Yeah, let's do it. Brilliant. So I think that there's no better place to start than this question. What is your favorite thing about Litecoin? Um, my favorite thing about Litecoin is that, um, you know, it's got such a great community. Um, and I really believe in the vision of it uh, supplementing Bitcoin and helping Bitcoin. And um, yeah, just the amount of how easy it is to, to get involved and um, to contribute and help that ecosystem grow. Okay, so what is your most controversial thought regarding crypto? My most controversial thought regarding crypto? Yeah, the blockchains are inherently inefficient and they're, they're supposed to be and they should be. Yeah, I, um, well, that, that is a controversial thought, but it depends. Uh, there are many people who, um, who would agree with you. So yeah, one question that I definitely wanted to ask you is, do you think Charlie Lee was right to sell his Litecoin at the top? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, he didn't, he didn't necessarily sell at the top. Um, he sold at like three or four different stages. And like one of them was at like $90 when Litecoin was at like $90. Uh, and another one was at like um, 150. And then I think, uh, yeah, I forget when the third one was, but yeah, he, he, okay, so yeah, he didn't sell at the top, uh, but you know, it's, it's his own money, you know? Um, we're not like a, a company, uh, it's not like he old equity, held equity in it or anything like that. Um, and so I think that's just a very traditional legacy infrastructure perspective, you know, business perspective that people had, and they tried to um, place it on like, on a decentralized currency like Litecoin, and I feel like it, it doesn't necessarily fit so, you know, like, you know, he's his own person. He's his own um, individual. He can make whatever decision he wants, you know. And, like, from, from some perspective, like, if I were to, like, I, every time Charlie tweets about Litecoin, I'm no longer thinking, okay, is he just shilling Litecoin right now? Is he just trying to make the price go up? You know, is he, maybe he's using that tweet to kind of dump on me right now. Like, if he holds Litecoin, there's always that tension, I feel like, um, especially as a creator of Litecoin, right? And there were moments in 2016, 17, or especially 2017, where he saw that his tweets had a significant impact on, on the market. And so that's terrifying uh, to, to realize that you have that much influence. And so I think, um, I, think I, I might have I done the same thing if, if I realized I was in that same position and if I was um, as well off as, as he is in terms of his investments and, and his job. And, and how Litecoin and Bitcoin have treated him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So, in your opinion, what is the most important company 
in the digital asset industry as of now? Gosh, that's such a good question. I really like what uh, Casa Hoddle is doing, but you know, as controversial as it may be, I, I really do think Coinbase is, is really, really important. Um, they were one of the first companies that were focused specifically on customer experience and onboarding people. I know um, a lot of my friends and people I know personally have gone gone into crypto because of Coinbase and, and they did a fantastic job with that. Um, and so, yeah, I think Coinbase is, was one of the most important um, companies in the space to help um, bridge the gap, I guess, uh, between, um, you know, cryptocurrency and, and regular people. Yeah, absolutely. As, um, as hated as they are within our, within our community, it's, uh, it's, it's not even arguable that they're not one of the most influential companies in the space. Because like you said, most people that we know, the first comers, the, the easiest way to buy crypto with fiat is through Coinbase. And they do, um, they do a magnificent job at making it easy. It's just unfortunately, they've had a few hiccups along the way and they charge um, astronomically high fees. But I guess it is what it is. And um, we just got to build and then hopefully in the future, there'll be more competitors and the market will just become more saturated and um, more efficient over time. Okay. So yeah, that's, Oh, well I was just going to mention, and that's like the beauty of like a free market society, right? Um, you, you know, you will be punished for making bad business decisions. And so we'll see, we'll see how um, all these crypto companies go on moving forward. Yeah. So do you listen to podcasts? Oh, I do. Yeah. I listen to a ton. Okay, so when's your favorite time to listen to them? What are you doing when you tend to listen to podcasts? Usually I work out um, when I go to the gym, uh, when I go on long drives, or yeah, when I cook. Awesome. Yeah, very similar to me. Um, so this is my penultimate one. Is there anyone that you recommend we should get on the show? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think about that. Okay, well, don't I worry about it. You can, um, you can yeah. shoot me a DM after and then, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see who you who you'd recommend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, I, so I will say you've had some pretty good guests um, in the past, though. I saw that you even had like Dan Dan Held come on the show. That was that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've had um I've had the pleasure of hosting Dan twice. Uh, just the, uh, just last week we uh we uploaded an episode which was a debate between Dan and David Gerard, who's a contrarian to Bitcoin and crypto. And um oh. yeah, I really stressed this point, but it was a. Uh, it was really captivating and healthy, I think, from, from my perspective to get both sides of view. And it's definitely something that we're going to try and incorporate in the future. So in the future, if you're up for having a debate on a podcast, maybe Litecoin versus, I don't know, Litecoin Cash, I'd love to have you back on, Andrew. Yeah, sure. We can, we can do that. Brilliant. So this is a highly speculative question, but... Do you think Litecoin will ever usurp Bitcoin? And if you do, when? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't. Um, just by you know how it's designed, like it just supposed to be a cheaper alternative, plus like four times the su supply. So inherently, you know, it's just like not as valuable, right? Because there's just more of it. So yeah, I, I I don't I don't think that it will ever be. I don't I don't ever think that one Litecoin will ever cost more than one Bitcoin. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I didn't mean in terms of price because obviously the supply is significantly different. I just meant in general terms of global influence. But yeah, that's a good answer. And like you said throughout the podcast, 
Litecoin is there to support Bitcoin. It's not, um, I may be putting words into, into the Litecoin community's mouth here, but it, its aim isn't necessarily to take down Bitcoin and to become number one. It's there to, um, to, uh, to support the growth of decentralized currencies. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's goal, at least from my perspective, it's, its goal is not to, to try to usurp the king. Okay, brilliant. Well, Andrew, this has been amazing. Um, a great little chat, and uh, I'm really, really thankful for you coming on the show. It's, uh, you've taught me a ton about Litecoin, and yeah, this has been a really valuable episode for me. So um, thank you very much. If people want to read more of your work or get into contact with you, I'm not sure if that's something that, uh, that you'd entertain, but where can people find you? Yeah, you can actually find me on Twitter at eCurrencyHodler. And, you know, I'm, I'm also hosting a, 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 a Boltathon. It's the world's first online Lightning Network conference and hackathon. You can check that out at www.boltathon.com. B-O-L-T-H-A, uh, or yeah, Boltathon. And then, um, yeah, we have fantastic uh, speakers. We have Alex Bosworth. We have Pierre Rochard. We have um, Rusty Russell. And, and so I'm really excited about our lineup. And it's really cheap. It's only like $10 per session, $100 for all the speaker sessions there. So check that out. Oh my God, amazing. Where is this? Is it like a, is it a physical venue or is it done virtually? Yeah, it's going to be online. We're hosting all the sessions through Zoom. And so that saves a lot of people from, uh, you know, housing and travel costs. Because, you know, honestly, like conferences and hack they're so expensive, man. Like, $399 for a ticket. And that's not even including like um, your hotel and flight, right? But so that's why we decided to do something online. Um, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, you don't have to pay for housing or travel. Plus you get like the same high quality content from, um, from these speakers. And so, yeah, I'm super stoked. Oh, Andrew, that sounds amazing. Well, um, just for our readers out there, Andrew, I'm definitely going to leave a link to uh, a link to that site in the in the post description and um, in the Twitter posts also and all the social media posts. It sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show once again. All right, thanks, Felix. I'll talk to you later.